Charleston fans, what's going on? Tommy here with another episode of the Holy City Hoops podcast, coming down the home stretch of the regular season. Right now, wish there was a little bit more to celebrate. Uh, as you listeners can probably tell, there's something off with the Cougars as of late. They lost their third straight game on Saturday after being alone in first place, not even two weeks ago. Didn't put up much of a fight in two huge road games this past weekend, and that has left fans frustrated, uh, angry, scratching their heads. So today's episode is part venting session, part therapy session, and part podcast. Gets a little bleak at times, but my guest and I are just trying to put our finger on what exactly seems to be going on because we're just big-time CFC basketball fans, as I'm sure all of you are. All hope is not lost, of course. We're still rooting for this team to finish the season strong, but they've just got to turn things around in a hurry. My guest is someone who is a diehard Cougars fan. He's been on this program before. His name is Joe Wright. You may know him on Twitter as at SCTVMan. Joe's ride or die. He has been through the highs and lows of this program just as long as I have. He's right there with us online and on the message boards to chat CFC hoops. We just try and put our heads together today, give our own theories as to what has got this team in such a funk. We don't have all the answers, but we try to make some best guesses. If you're in the same boat as us, join the conversation on social at Holy City Hoops. Definitely subscribe to the pod. Check out HolyCityHoops.com. Let's do this. This is going to be good for us. This is going to be healthy. Joining me now is our good pal, Joe Wright. You may know him from Twitter, at SCTVMan. And Joe, you and I, some of the more vocal uh, CFC basketball fans, I think, these days. And so I wanted to bring you on to help us diagnose what is going on with the team right now. Uh, The last three games have not been great. Uh, I want to talk about both of those games with you and then just... In general, um, maybe figure out what's what's going on with this team and and what they can try and fix here in the home stretch of the season. How's that sound? That sounds good. Do you have any initial thoughts on uh, on what's going on with this recent skid? Yeah, this recent losing streak. I mean, it just happened so quickly. A William and Mary game. It was only less than two weeks ago. It seemed like we were on top of the mountain, and then that Saturday, that Elon game just sapped our momentum, and then going making the Northern trip and having such a quick turnaround between games. I mean, I don't know what's going on right now with how every, with our offense and stuff. It does seem like that William and Mary game was forever ago. <laughs> um, the Cougars now find themselves in fifth place, just what, 10, 10 days later, something like that. And for me, Joe, it, I mean, it's not just the fact that they went 0-2 on that road trip. Uh, it's not even really the fact that they've gone 0-3 out of their last three games. It's the way in which they're losing that is so frustrating. And I think I have some ideas on what may be at play. Um, We can get to that. But just you mentioned it on Twitter. I mentioned it. I think every fan on CFC fans has mentioned it. It's just the low energy, lack of urgency, kind of lackadaisical nature that this team is playing with right now is is not like what we're used to with an Earl Grant team. And that seems to be kind of at the core of everything. What do you think? Yeah, I say it's it's the core of everything. I mean, going on right now. I mean, just seeing how they all have different seems like different styles. I mean, it's not a not a very good basketball team right now. No, no. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think you pointed it out. Obviously, the 
Cougars started five and zero in conference play, four and five since. Obviously, zero and three the last three. But let's let's dive into the games, starting with Hofstra. Huge game. I mean, despite Charleston losing to Elon the week before, they still controlled their own destiny. They still had a chance to be in sole possession of first place with a win at Hofstra. It's nationally televised battle of the two first place teams again. You would think the team would need no excuse and would just come out guns a blazing. And the game did not start on TV right away. I think you were watching it online beforehand like I was never was really close uh so the game was tied for about 45 seconds when it was 0-0 and then Hofstra jumped out to a 7-0 lead never looked back Charleston never tied it never took the lead uh just kind of got boat raced by Hofstra what did you think yeah it was basically what happened I mean they was 7 to nothing, and then they were just stuck in a muck most of the first half and then by they tried to make a comeback and cut it to 11 at halftime, and then the second half, I mean, they never had never had it really closer than about 10 points most of the way. At the time, it was the worst loss they've had in conference play. We'll get to what happened on Saturday. But yeah, no, I mean, they what was it? They cut it down to six in the second half. Riller has that dunk. I think, I think, was, was that the play where Conti got injured? Was that when they cut it to six? Yeah, I think it was that right then, right then when it happened, and then then the bottom fell, kind of fell. Yeah, Hofter goes on that run, and just and just blows the doors off the Cougars. Um, Charleston actually played decently well against that zone defense, which I think they've done in the past pretty decently. Um, they were getting the ball to Sam Miller and Jalen McManus in the middle of the zone, which is what you have to do. But it seems like as soon as they hit that adversity of Hofstra punching back after Charleston got it down to single digits. Then you see the turnovers, you see just the uh, windshield wiper passing between Jasper and Reddish on the perimeter. Ball's not moving. You're just hoping to make threes. The turnovers, I mean, geez, Riller was fumbled a pass uh, for a wide open dunk. Hofstra, I think you maybe pointed it out that they converted 10 points off turnovers just right off the bat. Um, it was just kind of a a snowball effect of things, I thought. Yes, it was all, all that and more. I mean, it was Hofstra, and they only scored two points off of their bench, but their starters are all really good. They could make their own stops. I mean, they had uh, six, 74, 74 points off their starters, and Pemberton was the killer. He had 28 points. He made eight, eight out of 11 of his shots from inside the arc, so he had a really good game. Which is weird because he was a non-factor the first time these teams played. That game down in Charleston, he didn't do much at all. And then this game, he just totally turned it around. Charleston offensively, like you said, never really seemed to be in rhythm. Riller at times seemed to be willing this team to victory. He had 27 points on 50% shooting, but no one else from the Cougars was in double figures. Uh, We have to talk about Zepp Jasper. Goose egg in 32 minutes of play, second on the team in in minutes that game, and to have zero points is it really hurts. Yes, it uh, really does. I mean, he, he he didn't have a good. I mean, he had five assists, but really his job is to be a point guard that can I mean be a comp, more than a complimentary scorer. And that game, he just didn't have a very good wouldn't have a very good game that night. Miller had six points. Galloway was three for ten. 
Uh, here's a stat for you. Do you want to guess uh, how many games Jalen McManus has hit a three as of late? Uh, four. So he's hit he's hit a three in one of his last twelve games, which Yikes. was <laughs> was the game at Towson where he went two for three. He's zero for twenty in the other eleven games. Um, you know we want Jalen to go inside, and I think all us fans want more of an inside presence, but. Uh, you know, he's also, he can make shots too. And he's just, uh, struggling from, from deep Trayvon Reddish came off the bench, three turn turnovers in nine minutes. Uh, Jalen Rashard didn't play. So again, the secondary scoring, the complimentary cast just wasn't there in this one. No, it wasn't. I mean, they, they were the pretty good CFC contingent of that game. I mean, if they had gotten on any sort of run, I mean, it would, they could have had something, but they didn't have any. The fans didn't have much to write to watch, and it was just a bad, not a good performance. All most most of the way. Yeah, I mean, I pointed this out. The poor CBS Sports announcers like ran out of ways to <laughs> to describe Charleston's offense. I mean, they were like low energy, uh, really struggling to improvise here and and find a way to win. And it was it was true. I mean. It just never, never really gelled, and everything sort of compounded itself. Hofstra, meanwhile, they they did their thing. I didn't think the Charleston defense was anything to write home about. Hofstra shot what, like fifty-seven percent in the second half. They were getting wide open dunks in a half-court offense. Uh, did you think there was anything special defensively they were doing? Hofstra is just that the way that they that Coach Mahala can get his team up very quick. I mean, he has he he doesn't have a lot of bodies on his team. I mean, he only had eight guys that played, but the players he does have are really they're really adept at stopping everybody. I mean, in the league, you see how Hofstra's in first place, and after even after losing Wright Foreman, who was yeah. such a great score for them, it's just really good for Coach Mahala to keep their his guys rolling. They looked like the clear-cut I mean, favorite right now to me. But with the loss, uh, Charleston falls to a tie for third place after that. So they got leapfrogged by William & Mary, and Delaware won to, to move into a tie with Charleston at that point. Silver lining, I guess. Brendan Tucker had a pretty good game. Uh, nine points, career high for him in 16 minutes. Sometimes I don't love his tunnel vision, kind of head down going to the basket, but... The team needs that in games like this. Like they need someone who is trying to score because there's way too often where people are either deferring to Riller or just hesitant to take a shot at all. So uh, Tucker, I guess, was a uh, was a rare bright spot. Yeah, he does look promising. I mean, he's had some good games the last few games. I mean, yeah. he had seven against James Madison. He had five against William and Mary, and then played his most the last couple last two games. So he's gotten a lot of playing time lately. Anything on the positive end from you in this game? Well, they they held Hofstra to um they they had they had um a decent amount of um a same amount of personal fouls, but they had um also assists. They had more. We had more assists than Hofstra did, sixteen to fourteen, but we were out rebounded. So that's kind of it's kind of tough to get much positive. But they had another game, so. That was basically what you have to say. Yeah, well, let's move on to the game on Saturday, which was at least close for a half. 
I mean, Charleston went into the locker room, tied 33-all with Northeastern. It looked like it was going to be pretty even. looked like it was going to go shot for shot all the way down the stretch, which is no surprise given these these two teams and their history in the league together. But, man, did things <laughs> – the wheels fell off in the second half. Uh, largest margin of defeat for Charleston in conference this season. So they upped uh, what happened the game prior. 14-point uh, loss. Lowest point total of the season. Uh, Riddler's double-digit scoring streak ends at 55 games. We have to talk about what happened in the middle of the second half. Uh, what did you see during the nearly 10-minute stretch that Charleston went without a basket? The 10 minutes, I mean, I was shocked, I mean, how, how it happened. I mean, the game went so quickly. I mean, there wasn't that many fouls or whatever called, I mean, with, with how it happened. I mean, everybody just went called at the same time. and. Northeastern's players make when they're making shots, and they made so many shots from inside the arc. I mean, they made two thirds of their shots from inside the arc, even after only making four threes all game. So that was how Northeastern they couldn't miss a shot from inside the arc. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, this game could have been even worse if Northeastern was hitting those outside shots because they were getting open looks. And Jordan Rowland, who's the leading scorer in the conference, he was one for seven from three. Uh, so this could have been even more lopsided, but going back to that 10 minute streak without a point, uh, how does that happen? First of all, uh, at some point, can't somebody just get the ball inside and force themselves to get contact and stop the game and stop the bleeding. That's definitely something that I think is reflective of, of where this team is kind of mentally right now. Um, Northeastern scores outscores Charleston 17 nothing during that run, which really blew the game open again. Riller did not score a point in the second half. He struggled, obviously, ending that, that double-figure scoring streak. Charleston only had one double-figure score. It was Zepp Jasper, so good to see him aggressive after the game on Thursday. But, I mean, 10 points being the leading score on the team is is not great. It seems like there's no real plan B or plan C for this, for this offense. And Northeastern took advantage of that and really just had their way with Charleston. Yeah. They basically I mean the game that was basically just a Northeastern had, they knew the first game they will come back in the, in the game in Charleston and Northeastern kind of had their number in this, in the game. And, it's just tough to see how 10-minute scoring drought. I mean, it's been a long time since I've seen something that was that shocking. That you, you probably wouldn't play that game 100 times and you wouldn't have anything like that. Yeah. Yeah, I've never seen anything like it either. Teams go on three-minute scoring droughts, and that's bad. We've seen Charleston go on nearly five-minute droughts, but a quarter of the game without a point. Not, just, not without a field goal, without a point. Uh, is bad. They only took, what, eight eight free throws in this game, something like that. So it didn't really seem like the aggression was there for Charleston. Max Borsico, who is playing center, he's normally a wing. He's 6'5". He has, has been forced to play center because of the injuries to this team. He feasted on the Charleston front line. Charleston got out-rebounded by 12. Borsico was, had multiple dunks. Uh, CFC only had 12 points in the paint again, going up against a team that their tallest player is six, five. So it seemed like from an aggression level, from a game planning perspective, 
it just wasn't working, obviously, in this game. And I think that's why the fan base is so frustrated. Yeah, but they see what this team could do. I mean, we they won five straight games in conference by double digits this year. And then against teams like this, I mean, they don't look like the team that they did in January. I don't know if it's the second time around. People trying to figure out Grant Roller and everybody else. And if this is they stop him, basically the offense goes to Brian's almost a halt. But that might be what's going on with how everything's happening. I mean, it's weird, right? Because during that 5-0 start that you just mentioned Charleston having at the beginning of CAA play, we were praising their resiliency and we were praising these late game runs that they would go on where the bench would come in and keep the energy level high and Charleston would pull away from teams. They went down 12 against Towson, came back and won. They went down against Delaware in the first half, came back and won. And they're not doing anything close to that anymore. They're getting just jumped at the start of games and it seems like they're not able to recover from that point on. Yeah. I mean, it's the way it is. I mean, they basically from this game, I mean, CMC was behind, but they were the second half. I mean, that killed them. But the first half, I mean, they played them in a tie game in Northeast and CMC had so many fans in attendance. You like they had a hundred something fans in Northeastern had typical atmosphere for their game but CMC couldn't feed off of their fans and then eventually Northeastern pulled away and basically that was that for that game yeah well I mean they Charleston hasn't been able to utilize fans when they have them we saw that in the Elon game when it was a sellout you're playing a, a bottom team in the conference and and you drop that game and you show low energy so I, I knew some people at that Boston game and they didn't have much to cheer for in the second half, obviously. So doesn't seem like Charleston was has really been able to to leverage any any energy from the crowd. But they have. I mean, there's a lot of games this year. I mean, they've lost like several of the, the games with the big crowds, and that's a problem. That's something that we had a long a long streak with Grant and how they won so many games in a row at home, and now they've lost five home games this year, and. You don't know how with only three with two home games left that they they can pull, put it back together, but that's why they play the games. That's why we play the games. Well, let's let's try to figure out what's going on with the Cougars. What is up with them? I think Andrew Miller tweeted out something, or or maybe he wrote it in his article. And Joe, you and I have been fans long enough that we know Earl Grant preaches defense, rebounding, taking care of the ball. And the team is not doing any of those three things super well right now. Uh, it's kind of been their downfall the last two games. So where do you go from there? And and what has gotten into the team that they seem to be in this long swoon uh, right now? Have you been able to put your finger on it, or are you still trying to figure it out? I'm still trying to figure it out, but I mean the defense. I mean the the defense is not as efficient as it was, and how. And they shoot free throws very well. I mean, they were 20, 20th in the country in free throw shooting, and that was something that was an Achilles heel for the yeah. first couple of years. But the other things, I mean, the defense is not decent, but not not anything that would help a team win like they did in the last two seasons. I would say it's not good enough to survive 
a bad shooting performance, which is happening more and more often. Here's here's my take on it. And I was just trying to take note of, of everything I've seen. And again, I'm not trying to be a hater. I'm not trying to go too hard on these guys. But you and I are very vocal when this team wins. And we watch this team a lot. So I think we're totally... It's totally okay and acceptable for us to, to you know, nitpick the team right now. The biggest thing right now to me seems like a leadership issue, um, both coaches and team leaders, so seniors and, and team captains. The leadership is responsible for getting the energy level high um, from the guys on the bench all the way up to the starters. They're responsible for making sure there's a level of aggressiveness and competitiveness and resiliency. That's something that needs to improve. And the team had great leadership uh, for the, the majority of Coach Grant's tenure. Cam Johnson, Joe Cheely, Jarrell Brantley, great leaders, vocal leaders, guys, especially Cam and Joe, who were at the bottom, saw the bottom uh, of being a Division One basketball player in this conference, and were hungry and were self-motivators. And I think that just the personality of this, this team is a little bit different. We have guys like Grant who are admittedly kind of lead by example, quieter type guys. So maybe you need to change leadership styles and maybe that falls on the coaching staff to empower guys differently or use a different communication style to get what they need out of the guys because um, it seems like the team is unmotivated, unfocused, and, and doesn't have that, that sense of urgency that I think they need. Yes, I mean, Riller, I mean, he's a leader, but I mean, he's so very quiet. I mean, he's been behind every, behind Brantley and Cheely and everybody. He grew up, I mean, he grew up with Joe Cheely, but just the way everything is going right now, it seems like there's a lot of beatings at our own drum and that it needs to be fixed if this team wants to make a run in the conference tournament. Yeah, and, and to be totally clear, it is okay for Grant to be that type of leader. Um, but if the team needs something different, then I think the coaches have to fill in the gaps there. And Coach Grant, we know, has a, a certain style. He's not going to you know, publicly call out players. He's not going to like get in guys' faces on the bench or anything like that. We s certainly saw that style with previous coaches here. But you have to do something that's going to get the response you need. So someone has to switch something up is, is my opinion. But in, in addition to the leadership stuff, I think there's a preparedness issue as well. It seems like the team has not again, been ready to compete. Um, especially when you, you go against teams like this, where there's like matchup advantages, Hofstra, you know, they're going to play zone defense. You should have worked on that all week. You should know what you're going to do going into that. Northeastern has a guy at 6'5 who's playing center. Why not try and get the ball inside? Like, these are basic things, and it seems like the Cougars are not taking advantage of that kind of stuff. And to me, that that falls on the coaches. So um, I think I think preparedness is an issue and just general accountability. That goes back to the leadership thing. If guys are not competing, if they're not motivated, there has to be some accountability there. Guys need to get yanked, need to get a chatting to. And somebody who, who wants to play and wants to compete and is going to give good effort needs to be put in. So preparedness, accountability, leadership. I mean, those are what I kind of put everything I've seen into those three categories. 
Yeah, I I agree with that. I mean, the coaching. I mean, they had the city coaches that were head now our head coaches. The guy yeah. they're always the Presbyterian. I mean, Presbyterian was doing very well. And then the guy also, Milan Brown, who was the coach when we were in the, the, the tournament bid, and he was a head coach at Holy Cross. And this seems like coach was learning from those guys. And then it still seems like that not having experienced guys with them, it just feels something feels different. But Coach Grant is still a good coach. He's just going through some time, some times that you don't, we aren't used to seeing from him. I think that's a great point. Yeah, I mean, we should point out that this is a pretty much brand new coaching staff. You know, they retained Mantoris Robinson from the previous era, but when Quentin Farrell got the job at Presbyterian, he took some guys with him. So Grant hired some folks in, and you mentioned Milan Brown, who's up at Pittsburgh now doing a great job. So you combine brand new coaching staff, who's probably still trying to figure out what they need to be doing to get the results they want, and then a team that outside of Riller is everybody's in a different role now. So it's almost a brand new team. Those two things combined, you get the highest of highs that, that five Oh start and you get runs where they look unbeatable. And then you get lows like this, where it seems like nothing is clicking and no one really knows what to do. Mm-hmm. It's the way thing, things are. I mean, this league is so different from game to game. I mean, you see how Elon has gone from when they had no conference wins and now they've won like four conference games in a row with a first year coach and unpredictable but this you have to have big you have to have big guys in this league and the big guys have not had like a great last few games and that's been reason why that CFC has been faltering yeah and it's just the um the level of competition and the level of parity is such that this is what can happen. That's why you need to to store those wins against the UNCWs of the world when you can, so that if you lose two games in a row, you don't fall from first to fifth because the the margin of error is is very thin. Correct. I mean, this week, I mean, glad they have the off day. Off day is Thursday because I mean, their rival. Because this is a game that they have to have in, a, in order to try and get back to getting to a decent spot in the conference tournament. Yeah, well, let's look ahead. Um, last thing I'll say, again, to reiterate, I am still a Cougar fan through and through. I think players, fans, and coaches are all frustrated right now, not giving up on the team, not giving up on the players or the coaches. Just, hey, I'm I'm a fan, and I want what's best for my alma mater's basketball team, right? Yes, yeah, so I'm a fan too, man. I've been a fan for... I mean, I've been students since two was a student in 2010. I mean, I've seen some tough times. I saw us lose to Anderson and Marist and <laughs> games that were blowouts. And it's just a very interesting time being a fan. I mean, in this conference, I mean, just to have being in February and have games that matter is important to have. Yeah, the Anderson loss. That was during the Wojcik era, right? Uh, yeah, it was. I, mean, I think it was right after they lost to Louisville by a bunch, and then right, right. Yeah. Hey, yeah. So there, there are darker times than this for sure, and we've been a little bit spoiled recently with the, uh, with the twenty win seasons. But this team still has a lot of potential. I s- still think they are certainly capable of making a run in March. So let's let's look ahead. T 
team is off on Thursday. Much needed. Get that by. Regroup. Refresh yourselves. Have some good practices. UNCW, last road game of the year on Saturday. And this is a team that already beat us at TD. So what are you looking for against uh, the Seahawks in this rematch? With UNCW, I mean, they had I – mean, when Coach Burke became the coach, I mean, they looked so good their first three games. But, I mean, the last – they've lost the last five out of six. But they did beat Lee and Mary at home. Yep. So that was a great, a great win for them. I mean, and they, they went to the same road trip that we did and lost by – they lost to Northeastern and Hawkesburg. But if they have good players and we need to treat them like it's any other game. I mean, we have to be – you know UNCW can have a great crowd as Wilmington, the rival, and Saturday night. And it's a, a big-time atmosphere when those students can get riled up. Yep. Yep, it certainly can. And talk about teams that play with energy. Look no further than Wilmington. Because, like you said, since Burke came on board, they are running off pure energy. And they're going to be ready to go. So I love your note about Charleston can't overlook anybody right now. They are sitting in the middle of the pack. And UNCW is going to be a challenge for them. After that, they return home. Final two games which are probably going to be very important for postseason seeding. Drexel and Delaware, I think Charleston needs to win all three of these games. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, I think it's pretty pretty very important. I mean, they got 15 wins now, but, I mean, they basically have to win out to have any chance of, like, a postseason outside of having to win all three games in the in the CAA tournament but I mean it's just the, the CAA is very tight with only only two teams have bought, have gotten buys Oscar and William and Mary and those everybody else is fighting for positioning and it's going to wow. be a race yeah yeah I think the one seeds out of the picture obviously but if you can make a run at two or three uh Charleston has some some nice tiebreakers against Towson and, and a split versus William and Mary. Maybe you get the sweep on Delaware. That could be essential down the line. But yeah, they I think they need to go three and zero to to go into the postseason with any sort of momentum. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they got to focus on Saturday night with the UNCW game because it's a very important game. They always play as close, no matter what, every year and. You know that students and the crowd, Wilmington is like a new new energy, and they have a lot of good players that could play with every anybody in the league. And I think that CFC has to have a fast start in order to yeah. get a win in that game, and they need it. Yeah, I couldn't have said it any better. I think that's dead on. All right, before we, we wrap up, Joe, anything anything else on the team? Just talking about how there's only two more home games left. I mean, the season goes by so fast, but see baseball is just starting up, and they look like they're going to have a, a, they're a very young team, but Patriots Point is a good place to go, and Holbrook has got his, his team going, and they have a lot of home games coming up, and also – be prepared that that game on the next the next home game is a 6 p.m. start on that Thursday night. So it's a CBS game, CBS Sports Network. So they gotta 
be there early so people show up and look good for the TV. That's a good reminder. Yeah, early start time in that CBS sports game. One more nationally televised game, at least, uh, for the Cougars. We'll see what they do in March. But, yeah, need the fan support. The fans have been so great all season. Uh, need them to finish strong for the seniors, uh, for Grant Riller's last couple games at TD Arena. Um, yeah, I think I think that's a good sentiment to leave on. Joe, thanks for stopping by, man. Appreciate it. Anybody listening, follow Joe on Twitter at SCTV Man. Joe, we'll uh, we'll talk again soon. My pleasure. I enjoyed this conversation. Yeah, man. Thanks, Joe.